0: Chapter 32 of History of Philosophy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of Philosophy by William Turner. Chapter 32 Scholastic Philosophy. Abelard Life. The most conspicuous figure in the great dialectical contest which occupied so large a share of the attention of philosophers during the twelfth century is Peter Abelard, who was born at Palat near Nantes in Brittany in the year 1079. After having studied under Rosselin, he went to Paris, where he attended the lectures of William of Champon. Being, as Saint Bernard says, Virbellator ad adolescentia, he quarreled with his master, and at the age of twenty-two set up a rival school, teaching first at Melun and afterwards at Corbeil. When William retired to the monastery of St. Victor, 1108, Abelard returned to Paris, where he enjoyed the most extraordinary success as a lecturer on dialectic. He first taught at St. Genevieve and later, about 1113, at the cathedral school of Notre-Dame. In his autobiography, which he so appropriately styles, Historia Calamitatum, he tells of his love for Heloise, of the vengeance of the canon Falbert, of the secret marriage, of his entry into the Benedictine order at the Abbey of Saint-Denis, of the retirement of Heloise to the convent of Argentoil, and of the foundation of the oratory called the Paraclete, he made no secret of the pride and vanity to which he attributed his downfall and the sufferings of his later life. About the time he had attained the greatest eminence as a teacher of dialectic, Abelard presented himself at the school of the Venerable Anselm of Laon for the purpose of studying theology at Laon. It was the same story of insubordination as at Paris. Abelard was uneasy until he had discomfited the doctor doctorum, Anselm, as completely as he had overthrown the columna doctorum, William of Champeaux. After the downfall of Abelard, the disciples of Anselm had their day of revenge. Summoned before the Council of Soissons, 1121, Appelard was obliged to recite the Athanasian Creed and to burn his book on the Trinity. Footnote. The work condemned and burned on this occasion was the Tractatus de Unitate et Trinitate Divina. This treatise was discovered and edited in 1891 by Dr. Stoltz of Wurzburg. The Theologia Christiana, as we now possess it, is a revised form of the original Tractatus with some significant omissions and some amplifications by way of explanation and apology. After this he retired to a desert region near Troyes. Thence he went to the monastery of St. Gildas de Rise in Brittany. The monks, however, drove him from the abbey, and after some years spent in the neighborhood of Nantes, he resumed his lectures at Paris, Pupils now began to flock in such numbers to his school that Anselm's disciples became alarmed once more, and the intervention of St. Bernard of Clairvaux was invoked. Abelard treated Bernard and his monks with characteristic disdain. St. Bernard wrote to Rome and sent a circular letter to the bishops of France. The result was that at Abelard's own request, so at least it seems, A council was assembled at Sens, 1140. Abelard, however, refused to defend himself. Nevertheless, he was condemned, but because he appealed to Rome, he was allowed to accept the hospitality of the venerable Peter of Cluny, at whose monastery he spent the last two years of his life in peace. He died in 1142 at Chalons-sur-Sonne, four leagues distant from Cluny, and was buried at the Paraclete character. Abelard is a type of the fighting dialection of the twelfth century, vir He was by disposition a rationalist, intolerant of restraint, totally devoid of respect for authority, and so fond of displaying his extraordinary talents that he appears to have preferred victory to truth. Sources. In addition to the Historia Calamitatum, we possess the following works of Abelard. Megni, Patr Lat, 178, Epistolia, Expositio Fidei, Introductio ad Theologiam, Theologia Christiana, Etica, or Scitotepsum, sic et non, Dialogus inter Philosophum, Judeum et Christianum. To these are to be added the Summa Dialectiae, and perhaps also the fragment De Generibus et Specibus. Published by Cousin, Monographs, Remusat, Abelard, Paris, 1845, Deutsch, Peter Abelard, Leipzig, 1883. Doctrines Method Abelard is primarily a dialectician. Dialectic he defines as the art of discerning the true from the false. It implies the task of discerning or distinguishing thoughts, and the subsidiary task of distinguishing words. In the Sic et non, Abelard formulates the principal theses of theology and presents the opinions of the fathers pro and contra. This idea of philosophic method was further developed by Alexander of Hales and became the recognized method of the schoolmen of the 13th century and of their successors. DOCTRINE OF UNIVERSALS there is nothing more certain than that abelard was equally opposed to the nominalism of rosselin and to the realism of william of champon it is not however so easy to determine what was abelard's own answer to the questions proposed by porphyry john of salisbury a disciple of abelard after mentioning the opinion of rosselin speaks of abelard's doctrine in the following terms Alius sermones intuetur etur, ed ad illos de torquet, quidquib alicubi de universalibus meminit scriptum, in hac autem opinione de prehensus est peripateticus palatinus abelardus nostr. Distinguishing between vox and sermo, the word as used in a sentence, abelard would maintain, est sermo predicabilis, apparently, therefore, Abelard was a modified nominalist, he is generally classed with the conceptualists, and John of Salisbury's statement that Abelard and his followers, rem de re predicari monstrum docunt, seems definitely to exclude them from the ranks of the realists. From the texts furnished by Remusat and Cuisin, it is clear that the traditional opinion which regarded Abelard as the founder of conceptualism must be abandoned. Abelard nowhere teaches that the universal existing in the mind has no objective value. On the contrary, while he does not succeed in discovering a neat and concise formula in which to express his doctrine of realism, he maintains principles which justify us in classing him not only among the anti-realists who opposed exaggerated realism, the Antiqua Doctrina, but even among the moderate realists, although his moderate realism is naturally undeveloped. Among the principles to which we refer are the following. 1. The universal has no existence apart from the individual. Cum nec ipse species habeat, nisi per individua subsistere. 2. The universal is not a mere word. The word becomes universal by means of the mode of predication which it assumes, on being made part of a sentence. It is therefore presumably the mind which confers universality on account of the essential similarity of different individuals. The thought is not, however, explicitly enunciated by Abelard, it is merely contained in his distinction of vox and sermon. The difference of genera and species is founded on a difference of things. Diversitas substantiae diversitatem generum et specierum facit. Relation of philosophy to theology In the Introductio at Theologium, Abelard lays down certain principles which seem to remove all distinction between philosophy and theology by reducing the latter to the level of the former. Faith must be based on reason. C enim. Cum persuadetur aliud ut credetur, nil estratione discutendum, utrum scilicet, credi opportēat vel non, quid restat nisi, ut aquetam falsa quam vera praedicantibus aquescamus. Again he says, nec quia deus id dixerat creditor, sed quia hoc sicesse convincitur accipitur. A principle which, it is said, Offended Saint Bernard's sense of orthodoxy, and constituted the real reason of Abelard's second condemnation. The credo ut intelegam and the intellego ut credam are equally essential to the scholastic doctrine of the relation between philosophy and theology. By neglecting the former altogether, and by insisting on the latter exclusively, Abelard unduly emphasizes the rationalistic element in scholasticism. Like Erigina, he identifies philosophy with theology. But while Erigina understood the identity in one sense, Abelard understands it in another. Erigina's point of view was that of a mystic, Abelard's point of view is that of a rationalist. Erigina raised philosophy to identification with theology because God, the object of theology, is the only reality, and is therefore the object of philosophy. Abelard lowers theology to identification with philosophy, because the principle that in order to believe we must first understand is by him extended to mean that reason can comprehend even the mysteries of faith. It was in this spirit of rationalism that Abelard, according to Otto Freising, compared the holy trinity to a syllogism in a similar spirit he affirmed the moral precepts of the gospel to be merely a reformation of the natural law observed by pagan philosophers and said and wrote many things which though they were not heretical gave offence by reason of their total disregard for authority we are not here concerned with the theological doctrines for which abelard was twice condemned It is sufficient to note that the sum of the accusations brought forward by Saint Bernard was that Abelard regarded the Trinity as a mere trinity of names, or at most, of attributes. Origin of the Universe Abelard's account of the origin of things is characterized by necessitarianism and optimism. Whatever God made, he made necessarily for whatever he made is good, and to say he could abstain from doing what is good is to accuse him of jealousy or of downright malice. God therefore made everything that he could make. Ergo ubi non est velle dei de est posse. And the world is the best possible world, for the evil which exists is such as God could not prevent. In a certain sense, however, God created freely because in the act of creation he was constrained by no external agent but only by his own true nature. Psychological doctrines: the soul, although in itself simple and spiritual, yet inasmuch as it is included in the body, is corporeal. For this reason, Abelard says that all creatures are corporeal: the angels, because they are circumscribed by place and the human soul because it is included in the body the soul is the principle of life it makes the body to be what it is abelard speaks of free judgment liberum arbitrium rather than of free will judgment is free because there is no compulsion and freedom consists in the power to act or abstain from acting ethical doctrines in his ethical treatise abelard distinguishes between vitium peccatum, and mala actio vitium is the inclination to sin it quo ad peccandum proni efficimur, hoc est ad consentiendum ei quod non convenit Peccatum is not mere mala voluntus it is contemptus dei siva consensus in eo QUOD CREDIMUS PROPTER DEUM dimittendum. Mala actio is the external act, the opus peccati, which is not properly speaking, that is formally, a sin at all, but merely the matter of sin. From this distinction it follows that all external actions are, in themselves, morally indifferent, it is the intention that causes them to be good or evil. Opera omnia in se indifferentia, nec nisi pro intentione, agentis bona, vel mala, decende sunt. God looks not to the deed, but to the intention, and he punisheth the intention rather than the act. Non enim Deus ex damno sed ex contemptu offend potest. Finally, where ignorance blinds or force coerces, there is no sin, sin being essentially something contrary to conscience. Non est peccatum, nisi contra conscientiam. Conscience must, therefore, be our guide, since it corresponds to the external norms of conduct. Historical position. Abelard was acknowledged to be the foremost dialection of an age in which dialectic was cultivated as it never has been cultivated since. Soli, says an epitaph written by a contemporary, Patuit scibile quid quid erat. He appeared in the twelfth century like a brilliant comet, which dazzled for a moment, but failed to shed permanent light. His was a highly gifted mind, but it was a mind whose prominent quality was brilliancy rather than profundity. He discussed many questions, but exhausted none. His career, however, brought out the many sidedness of the scholastic movement by exhibiting in exaggerated form the rationalistic element of scholasticism. Abelard was condemned, not because he advocated the rights of reason, nor because he applied dialectic to the discussion of the Trinity—St. Augustine had done this without incurring reproach—but because of the extravagant claims which he urged on behalf of reason, and because of the heresy into which he fell in his discussion of the Trinitarian's mystery." End of chapter 32